If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. This week on Revolt Black News Weekly. A special hour dedicated to 50 years of hip hop. Whatever the wall was between hip hop and the mainstream, they just knock it down. From bumping beginnings in the Bronx to worldwide domination. Everybody said, listen, hip hop is on top now. We gonna be all right. Do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gonna be all right. The soundtrack of the streets. In my world, the reaction was like, yeah, f- police. Powering the way in our fight for social justice. Hip hop, as we called it, was the CNN of the streets. More money, more cash, more. It's the movement that gave rise to black billionaires. Ten years from now, we'll still be on top. And to Queens. Girls, you know you better. She was like a prize fighter. Came back for real. <laughs> because she knew she had to fight. The music and the culture that's kept us in a headlock for 50 years. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. The Revolt Black News celebration of hip hop starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Mara Escampo. It was all a dream. 50 years ago this week at a dance party in the Boogie Down Bronx, 18-year-old DJ Cool Herc used a turntable to make a breakbeat. Back then, it was just a bunch of beautiful black people having a good time, despite the poverty and the chaos that surrounded them. What we didn't know, couldn't have known, was that moment would give birth to one of the most innovative and influential art forms the world has ever seen. At that party on Sedgwick Avenue, DJ Cool Herc gave birth to hip hop. It became the voice of a generation. And then the generation after that, the voice of black people, our joy, our struggles, our hopes, and our dreams. It spread across the country to Cali, Miami, Nolens, the Midwest, and right here in the A. Our culture, hip hop culture, became the culture worldwide, baby. After 50 years, Big said it best. We never thought that hip hop would take us this far. Hip-hop turned 50. Without y'all, I wouldn't be on this stage. But, but, but. As of 2017, hip-hop became the most popular genre of music in the entire country. And hip-hop artists, some of the most popular in the world. Gotta look at Drake. Lotto. Travis Scott. Future. Nicki. Kanye West. J. Cole. Megan Cardi. Kendrick Lamar. But how did we get here? So let's talk about the beginning. Back to where it all started, the Bronx. It was a back to school jam, but the kids that came to that party were really treated to something special because they got to hear Cool Herc spin really small samples of records that wasn't necessarily played on the radio. So, but what did he do that was so significant that makes that the defining moment? It was the atmosphere of having him playing two records simultaneously at the same time, going back and forth. He calls it the merry-go-round. I started out with Snoop Dogg. 
Lean blind, James Brown, clap your hand, stomp your feet. That part right there when the break, boom, I had to come in with Bongo Rock. And it became almost a competition. One DJ versus another DJ. It's the music, it's the storytelling, it's the outfits, it's the dancing, it's the good times. And that was kind of the jump off point where people said, oh, okay, this is how we're gonna party. I said a hip the Sugar Hill Gang became known as the first commercial hit rap song. In 1979, Rapper's Delight. Rapper's Delight had a huge impact on hip-hop. Hip it exposed it to a larger audience. Uh, it took hip-hop to places that hadn't reached yet because people were playing that record in different parts of the country. Then from that, we call that moment the Big Bang. And from that Big Bang, it started to have other records right behind it. First of all, it's gonna be the start of hip-hop with the message. You know, it's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep going on. Shaka Khan, I Feel For You had Melly Mel rapping on it. It was like the domino effect. The gates from the dam were like unleashed and you had a flood of records. And ever since then, it's been nonstop. Hip-hop was blowing up, and it was more than just records and rapping. It was a whole new art form. Hip-hop had become a lifestyle. You created the human beatbox. Right, the fifth element, right. Where did that come from? Because you have the DJ, you have the MC, which is the master of ceremony, and you have the break dancer, you have the graffiti artist, and then you have the beatbox. <laughs> I would hear these songs and I would just mimic them. And then the word just traveled throughout all of the boroughs after that, because it was so different. And then as I seen it grow further and further and further, it, it just turned into, look at what Run DMC is doing. Run DMC, Aerosmith, Walk This Way, a game changer. It was just so explosive for hip hop. Hip hop was the sound of the underground until mainstream could no longer deny its place at center stage. Whatever the wall is, was between hip hop and the mainstream, they just knocked it down and it just brought everybody in. And after Walk This Way, everybody said, listen, Hip-hop is on top now. In less than a decade, hip-hop was busting out of its humble beginnings and into what's been called hip-hop's golden era. Well, when you look at the, the golden age of hip-hop, which is the 90s, I mean, that's when hip-hop became a money-making machine. We had Wu-Tang Clan. We had a tribe called Quest. Nas had Illmatic, one of the greatest hip-hop albums of all time. The artists as diverse as the black people they represent. Rebels. I ain't no joke. Lovers. I need love. Dogs. Get out the dog. And bad boys. Yeah. And when Big came and Puff, they kind of put that the sprinkles on the ice cream. The bad boy era was incredible. Puff really brought to the forefront was making the music for the radio, making the music for the clubs, for the One More Chance remix. First things first. Hip-hop had moved from the boogie down to uptown to bad boy, reimagining how we lived and how we party. 
It just was making everybody just feel, feel amazing. You could actually feel it in the streets of New York. But something vastly different was bubbling up on the opposite coast. Hip hop would evolve in a whole new way. When you look at uh, the foundation of West Coast rap, you definitely have to put Ice-T up there on the Mount Rushmore of, of building the foundation. When he was coming out with the record Six in the Morning, we were like really getting some, some stories and narratives that we never even had thought about before coming from the West Coast. Los Angeles had long been a hotbed for police brutality and the black community who endured it was angry. No justice, no peace! Gang culture was real and the emerging rappers from LA reflected those realities in their music. What started out as music to inform has turned into music that incites. None of the criticism mattered. Hip-hop struck a chord, and the gangs of L.A., the Bloods and the Crips, gave birth to Death Row. Suge Knight, Dr. Dre, Snoop. The Chronic, not just one of the best hip-hop albums of all time, but one of the greatest albums in music of all time. One, two, three, it's the four. And he just made the roughest of stories, the roughest of lyrics gave him such a smooth, smooth landscape to rap on musically that we'd be just in the club and just riding to this music and it went mainstream and exploded. You have a whole new roster of talent that we never heard before. They all have new flows, they have new perspectives lyrically, um, they have punchlines, they're raw, it's, it's, it's incredible. And soon joining them, Tupac. Yeah, I'm, I, I like to think I'm rebel, I'm revolutionary. Now I clown around when I hang around with the underground. In true Tupac fashion, the first time that we really had a chance to experience him rapping, they bringing this guy out with a crown on in the throne. He, he, he's being introduced to the world as a black king visually. In the art form born from battles, the competition between coasts turned dangerous. Wait, wait, wait. wait. The East Coast don't love Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg? Well, let it be known then. We don't give a f And just six months apart, both of hip-hop's brightest lights were gunned down. Probably the most unfortunate thing happened was the Tupac and Biggie beef that made the East Coast and West Coast feel like they had to be on opposite sides of the culture. As hip-hop struggled to regain its footing, the unique sounds of the East and West Coast would inspire artists across the country to chart their own paths. From the Midwest... I'm from the south side of Chicago, coming out of nowhere to go with, boy. ...to the dirty south. What grew from the cracks of a sidewalk in New York is now a genre with no limits and no boundaries. When you travel around the world and you go to different countries, most of the time, hip-hop is very popular and is that vehicle for people to be seen and heard and create. Coming up, from party to purpose, hip-hop's soldiers hit the streets to make a change. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Welcome back. 
For black people in this country and around the world, harsh adversity has constantly been a part of our lives. But hip hop has always been able to articulate our pain, detail our struggles, and serve as an inspirational soundtrack to help us get through the harshest of times. From Public Enemy to Tupac to Kendrick Lamar, hip hop has always let us know that even in tragedy, we will survive and everything is gonna be all right. We gonna be all right, do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gonna be all right, do you hear me? Do you feel me? We gonna be all right. To understand the connection between hip hop and social justice, you only need to look as far back as the Black Lives Matter movement. Lamar's song, All Right, became the unofficial anthem when protesters began chanting its chorus about hope, a powerful example of hip-hop's impact on political and social change. The success of that record didn't come from the accolades and the awards. For me, it came from people going out there and singing All Right mm. in the middle of these streets and, and you know, taking pride and dignity and, uh, into where they come from and where they want to go, you know? This kind of like, we're gonna do this together, right? And we're gonna, um, you know, fight against the system and we're gonna make sure that we're not, uh, A, taken for granted, B, look, look like we're weak and we're just here to just be pawns in the game. Um, and that's, that's something that I think most black folks galvanize around. This is America. From Donald Glover's This Is America about gun violence in 2018 to Grandmaster Flash's The Message about inner city poverty in 1982, hip hop has been a platform for protest for decades. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder how I keep going under. Hip hop has a very specific place in politics and social justice because um, it's music made out of necessity. You know, the same thing that made Muddy Waters pick up a guitar and start you know, railing about how hard it was to be a man living in Mississippi, Tennessee um, during that time, the same thing that made the blues necessary for people to talk about. It's the same thing that made kids start breakdancing on boxes uh, and, and putting their musings and thoughts about society and the world onto a beat. While always reflective of the realities of black life, hip hop became more socially conscious during the Reagan era in the 1980s, amid mass unemployment, inadequate public schools, and police brutality. to the 1960s Black Power protest songs from artists like James Brown, rappers began challenging the system with their lyrics. Hip-hop, as we called it, was the CNN of the streets, or we looked at it as this, you're going to get better information from hip-hop than you would watching the news, because it's going to be real like that. There was the poetry of Pac capturing the angst of a generation. The anger comes from, I'm tired of waiting for my past to get into society. All I ever wanted to do was make um, me and everybody around me feel more comfortable about where we were. You know what I'm saying? About the places that we stayed. Where we, this is our home base. Let's build it up. Let's be happy about where we come from. There was also the call to action by Public Enemy in Fight the Power, which was featured in Spike Lee's 1989 film, Do the Right Thing. What Public Enemy did is that they brought back the energy of 
what the Black Panthers represented. They brought back what the Nation of Islam represented and the FOI, and they brought back a certain level of consciousness in it and just to make you feel prouder about being who you are. As hip-hop migrated to the mainstream, its social commentary grew bolder, most notably with gangster rap and N.W.A., who railed against police brutality in F the Police. In my world, the reaction was like, yeah, f police. police coming straight from the underground. You have a, um, a police state here in the United States uh, that has uh, taken whatever steps it's wanted to to kill, brutalize, disenfranchise, and traumatize a community throughout this nation's history. And so I think, you know, that, what was happening in Compton around that record for them to write that record is something that most black communities around the nation could relate to. It sparked backlash with critics complaining that it glorified violence. Even the FBI sent a letter to the group's record label denouncing the song. But hip hop turned inward too, with songs like Self Destruction by KRS-One, which he released after forming the Stop the Violence movement in 1988. The debate over violence continues today as current artists address the ongoing issues in the black community. Savage, why you always rapping about gun Cause bitch, I fell in love with the gun smoke. You know, I get that hip hop is criticized uh, for glorifying behavior that tears the community down, but I, I caution people with that because there is a difference between somebody intentionally tearing our community down versus those that are simply telling their story. As hip hop has evolved, so too has its activism. Rappers now rub elbows with elected officials, fighting for the community within the very systems they once fought against. What it means to be conscious in hip hop today, it looks different from what it did maybe 30 or 40 years ago where you had groups like Public Enemy and NWA really articulate their consciousness in their lyrics. And while you might not see as much as that today with many of the mainstream artists, they're still very conscious outside of what they do um, outside of the studios or outside of their music, whether you're talking about their organizations, them connecting with political figures like Two Chains and Stacey Abrams, the list goes on and on, but they're tapping into issues that affect all of us. And after a history of homophobic lyrics, there's an increased acceptance of the LGBTQ plus community with a growing list of openly gay rappers as well as mainstream supporters from Jay-Z to Tusi. I don't judge, I'm non-judgmental. I don't care if you're purple, black, blue, tall, small, big, whatever the case may be, I don't judge nobody. KRS once said, rap is something you do, but hip hop is something you live. And as rappers have become moguls, they've used their wealth to affect change. Jay-Z provides scholarships to underserved communities through the Sean Carter Foundation, and Diddy is a partner in the Capital Preparatory Charter Schools in Harlem and the Bronx. This is truly the dream coming true, you know, being, you know, in Forbes is, is, is not the dream coming true. It's a trend that was unimaginable 50 years ago, but one that is likely to continue as hip hop settles into pop culture dominance.
we live in an era where we have hip hop billionaires and millionaires. And so what does it mean to have that much money and that much power, especially usually having come from the bottom? And how are you using your resources and your power to either engage with or fight against with or make better this system that has made people's lives very difficult? When we come back, it's all about the Benjamins, baby. Hip-hop artists getting paid in full, giving birth to black billionaires. How the music led to the money. Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. In the words of the Wu-Tang Clan, cash rules everything around me. And that's never been more true for hip hop. As the music's popularity started to grow, so did the money, turning artists into millionaires and then black billionaires. Rappers became moguls, creating record companies, clothing lines, and more. All right, probably the most important question of the interview, but is it really all about the Benjamins? It's one of hip-hop's favorite subjects, classics like Wu-Tang's Cream. And BG's Bling Bling. To Cardi B's Money. Cash Money named their label after it. 50 Cent put his life on the line for it. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Now, what y'all wanna do? Wanna be ballers, shot callers, brawlers? Well, one thing about hip-hop, hip-hop teach you how to hustle and using your gifts to create new opportunities that didn't exist before. It's like a jungle outside, sometimes I wonder how I keep them going under. Hip-hop came from some of the roughest neighborhoods in the country, kids surrounded by poverty who could only fantasize about having paper, like Kendrick Lamar describes in Money Trees. Dreams of living life like rappers do. Like rappers do. But they also had a unique skill set, street smarts. When I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. Hip-hop rose from hustle culture, out on the streets where slang and supported families. That hunger paired with the hustle turned out to be an explosive combination. Oftentimes, people talk about street hustlers as if they're not intelligent because they didn't follow the traditional means to get their riches. Christian Slauson, well, this is where really the Nip Hustle story started. It wasn't long before hip hop artists started to become entrepreneurs. <laughs> Those artists were also hustling on the street before they became artists, and they knew how to make money. They knew how to turn over a dollar. And when they got the opportunity to get into the music business, the money that they made from the music business, they basically opened up other opportunities to form other businesses. Who are the most iconic hip-hop stars turned business moguls? Well, I think you have to look at the Sean, Sean Carter and Sean Combs. In 1997, Puffy released Mo Money, Mo Problems, celebrating his massive success up to that point. 
To date, Bad Boy Records has sold more than 500 million albums worldwide with 38 platinum singles, multiple Grammy Awards, and a robust roster of legendary artists. Diddy was probably one of the smartest A&R folks in the music business. He was a really savvy business person at a very young age, and he knew marketing very well. But the song was also a glimpse into the future. Ten years from now, we'll still be on top. Yo, I thought I told you that we won't stop. Over the next 25 years, Diddy expanded his empire from music to fashion. At launch in 1998, Sean John sales exceeded 200 million. Last year, his estimated net worth was $1 billion, attributed to spirit brand partnerships, performance water, and even a Harlem preparatory charter school, truly branding himself as an industry mogul. He has conviction, but he also has the ability to know what's dope and what ain't which is something that can't be taught. And then there's Sean Carter. More money, more cash, more... As he's famous for saying, Jay-Z isn't a businessman. He's a business man. His talent for making money started on the streets. You know, Jay-Z had already done quite well for himself in the um, freelance pharmaceutical business. Uh-huh. Jay's catalog could double as a course in financial literacy. From the Blueprint series, to hit single, the story of OJ. I could have bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo for like two million. That same building today is worth 25 million. Guess how I'm feeling? Dumbo. Forbes estimates Hove's current net worth around $2.5 billion, attributed to entertainment company Rock Nation, his stakes in spirit brands, investment properties, streaming, and transportation services. He really took a leap when he started speaking upon different things. He started talking about art, he started talking about assets, he started talking about the way other communities built their wealth, and that felt like an album that he was just giving as a gift to the people. He's taking his business beyond the music leveraging his creativity into other business endeavors, I think is a great blueprint, pun intended, for entrepreneurs of any kind. In the soul of hip hop is an entrepreneurial spirit, a way of seeing things differently and capitalizing on that. Even right now during Hip Hop 50, you know, there's a lot of people talking about all the brands and all of the corporations and all of the, everyone's clamoring to have a piece. As hip-hop's worldwide footprint grew, the culture made big bucks for businesses and companies worldwide. They needed the cachet of the industry and its artists to remain relevant. Today, some of the richest black people in the country come from the hip-hop world. Kanye was briefly part of the billionaire boys club before his partnership with Adidas ended. Dr. Dre worth an estimated 800 million after his deal with Beats. Yeah, you know what? We could call it Beats. 50 Cent got into the water business, which he rapped about on I Get Money. 50 Cent has become one of the most powerful television producers in the country. I call it being a supreme hustler. Hip-hop's supreme hustlers who made it from the streets to the studio to the C-suite. They try to put this title of street hustle to kind of like make it seem as if they tripped and stumbled into the accolades that they've gotten when the truth is they saw it and they learned it and they were able to monetize it 
and then they were able to leverage it and own it and take it to the highest heights, which is not something that our school system teaches. After the break, it is Ladies First. We are honoring the queens who were able to break into the Boys Club of Hip Hop and top the charts. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Welcome back. These days, you don't have to look far to find female rappers topping the charts, from Young Miami to Megan Thee Stallion. But for a long time, hip-hop was a very lonely place for female rappers in an almost exclusively male industry. But a queen can't be stopped. Despite the odds stacked against them, women like Queen Latifah, MC Light, Missy Elliott, Little Kim and Lauren Hill have been spitting rhymes, selling albums, and breaking barriers since the very beginning. It's the video that gave whole new meaning to Hot Girl Summer. I said certified free. Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion unapologetically embracing, flaunting, and celebrating their sexuality. There's elements of humor, there's wild animals, there's like insane fashion. I think shocking for people is how mainstream it got because these are conversations women are having. So I think women taking their power back and being able to tell their own story about their own bodies and, and do that in their own way, I think is great. But the 2020 single also got attention for a very different reason. It was the first female rap duo collab to ever debut at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 charts, making it official. The ladies are on top. I think it also represents unity or alignment between women and rap. We're not up against each other. We can make each other better. The level of sisterhood in that video, I think, is dope. And of course, we can't talk about female rappers without hip hop's baddest Barbie. One thing about me, I'm the baddest alive. He Nicki Minaj's 2022 single, Super Freaky Girl, debuted at number one on the Billboard charts, showcasing everything that has made her the proclaimed queen of rap. A lot of us focus on the lyrics and the microphone skills, but there's also the other entertainment value that comes with putting on a show and captivating individuals and connecting with people. Some people have that je ne sais quoi, that extra, you know, thing that makes them iconic. Women are killing the game right now. Today's hip hop charts filled with newcomers dropping bangers. Like City Girls. 
Ice Spice in her mood. Like damn, she in her mood. Lotto, big energy. Sweetie, my type. And Glorilla, tomorrow too. That's why I love tomorrow. But for women in rap, it has been a long road to the top. Women have been part of hip-hop from the very beginning, including MC Shah Rock of the Funky 4 Plus One, credited as being hip-hop's first female MC. Roxanne Shante, Moni Love, JJ Fad, and MC Light. But they struggled to be heard in a heavily male-dominated industry. I don't know if I chose hip-hop as much as hip-hop chose me. And then a queen hit the scene. Who you calling a bitch? Queen Latifah's 1993 single, UNITY, is one of hip-hop's first feminist anthems. Since he was with his boys, he tried to break fly. Huh. I punched him dead in his eyes. Who you calling a bitch? The single became a hit and was celebrated by the industry, winning a Grammy for Best Solo Performance. For her coming out the gate, like, demanding respect is so powerful and foundational. Female rappers in the 90s definitely had some great moments. My man gives real love and that's why I call him killer. He's not a wham bam, thank you ma'am, he's a thriller. Salt and Pepper's What a Man video turning the tables on the boys. When I look at the fact that they were using Pac and Tretch as like their kind of cabana boys, if you, you know, <laughs> it's them asserting themselves in this really strong way with these two hyper-masculine men. Missy Elliott's The Rain, Super Duper Fly, introducing a whole new look for music videos. Missy is from the future, you know, like Missy is not from nowhere else but the future for real. But many female rappers of the 90s still faced a massive challenge. They had to be put on by the guys. Uh-huh. Back then you needed the credibility, right? The patriarchy was surely at work. And in terms of their image, there were really only two options, hypersexual or one of the boys. And so you needed a male cosign to really kind of have any kind of significant debut in the music space. Foxy Brown put on by Jay-Z. The two often appearing together on singles like I'll Be. Eve letting us know on what you want that she was the first lady of Rough Riders. Rough Riders putting they work, snatched up the illest pit bull in the skirt. You know what I'm saying? I'm just chilling with my Junior Mafia. Lil' Kim was introduced to the world by Biggie and the only woman in Junior Mafia, as seen in the Get Money video. She asserted herself in this very male-dominated space and she let it be known that she truly was a queen bee. She is like the foundation for so much of what we see in rap as women. She was like a prize fighter because she knew she had to fight. The sexuality, the grittiness, the delivery, the personality, the videos, the iconic photography. She had to fight for respect. She had to fight to be seen. She had to fight to be taken um, seriously. Like she's the blueprint, I would say, for so much of what's happening right now. But then came the album that changed everything for women in hip-hop. In 1998, Lauryn Hill dropped Doo-Wop, That Thing. thing, thing, thing. 
the first single for her debut album, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. The game ain't been the same since. When you think about miseducation, like at this point, like Foxy, Kim, like they've they've already established themselves and Lauryn is in a lot of ways the opposite of that. She's not only addressing her own shortcomings as a woman learning about relationships and what to expect for oneself, but it's also challenging men and it's also challenging European standards of beauty and it's also challenging, you know, just the way we interact with one another and the things that we think are important in life as you go out as a young person to figure out who you're going to fall in love with, how you're going to fall in love and and what you want to do for yourself. So the record is very layered. Lauren shattered hip hop's glass ceiling. Doo-wop became the first solo hip hop song to debut at number one and the first number one debut by a female rapper, a record Lauren would hold for the next 25 years. Miseducation is one of the best-selling albums of all time and the best-selling hip-hop album by a female artist. I wrote about Lauren as like one of the greatest singers of all time. And she was worried that like people were not going to take well to her singing and rapping on Miseducation. But all of Miseducation, I think, represents how we are everything at once. And she does both of those, um, she performs both of those skills at like the, some of the highest levels possible. Lauren Hill. Lauren cleaned up at the Grammys too, bringing home five awards and became the first hip hop artist, male or female, to win album of the year. This is crazy because this is hip hop music. Well, everything about her was just so dynamic that I think that music industry was looking for someone like that to come out and she just bust through those walls like crazy. I want to say thanks to God. Lauren became the first to break some barriers, but she wasn't the last. This year, Missy Elliott became the first female rapper inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Cardi B has a total of five number one singles, more than any other female rapper in history. Megan Thee Stallion is Megan the Grammy winner with three awards and 10 top 40 hits overall. Nicki Minaj is one of the best-selling artists in the world with 23 top 10 hits and 100 million album sales worldwide. Hop on top, I wanna ride. All making it clear, the ladies ain't going nowhere. Our women feel like they don't need to have permission from anyone to do anything. They're gonna do it their way, how they wanna do it, and, and uh, you know, to make it happen. Next up, hip-hop culture turning the streets into a runway. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. You can't think of hip-hop without thinking fresh to death. For 50 years, hip-hop and fashion have been connected like Run and DMC. But we're not just talking about clothes. For hip-hop, fashion is an extension of the art, not just how we look, but who we are. This would have seemed completely out of reach 50 years ago. A hip-hop star like Pharrell Williams taking a bow after a runway show in Paris for his menswear collection for Louis Vuitton. Joy. And if you need more proof that hip-hop has hijacked high fashion, look at the Met Gala. 
From Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion to ASAP Rocky and Diddy, rappers are red carpet regulars. 24 years after Lil' Kim became the first hip-hop star to get an invitation. I think that they realized that the Met Gala was stayed and that having all white Hollywood superstars was nice, but that's not really gonna move the pop culture needle. So if we're not in the room, then are you really even having a really big pop culture moment? You're not. If there's an additional element of hip hop, it's gotta be fashion, just as vital as the rap, the beats, the graffiti, and the breakdancing. From salt and pepper to Glorilla, there has always been a look to match the sound. We're not soft, we're not hard, we in the middle. Yeah, it's like a little makeup. Yeah, it's some combat boots, you know? Early on, baggy clothes were favored because they were more functional for breakdancing, and the colors were bright, inspired by graffiti art. It was mostly underground until the 80s and Dapper Dan. It was the 80s, it was the crack epidemic, and there was a lot of money in Harlem. And therefore, the young men that were making money wanted to differentiate themselves from the hustlers of old. So I gotta adjust to their life. They hustling all day, they come night. They go to the club, I'm there when they come home from the club. They used to meet girls at the club and bring them to the store and buy them something, man. And Dapper Dan realized that a Louis Vuitton purse being carried by a, a hustler's girlfriend had such great cachet and he thought, well, what if I take that purse and I put it on a jacket? And that was the game changer. But he wasn't the only game changer. Something really significant happened with Run DMC, which was their partnership with Adidas. Before uh, the relationship with Adidas, no one had any endorsement. They were the first group to really figure out how to create something special not knowing what the outcome was going to be. So the song My Adidas was just created because they wanted to talk about their style footwear. Little did they know that it would catch the attention of the marketing agents and the CEO of Adidas. Hip-hop stars started to focus their influence on their own communities. By the early 90s, there were streetwear brands like Walker Wear and FUBU, which grossed $350 million in 1998 alone. Hip-hop fashion had become big business. And they began launching their own clothing lines, too, as Russell Simmons did with Fat Farm in 1992. Then Diddy entered the picture with Sean John, and nothing has ever been the same again. It was such an iconic moment in time because he announced to the world that this was not going to be your average urban fashion brand. It really did let us see oh, there's another way to approach this. As hip-hop has gone high fashion, it's produced its own star designers, from the late Virgil Abloh, who worked with stars like Kanye West, to Sergio Hudson, who has dressed Michelle Obama. Their designs are in mainstream magazines and in major ad campaigns, influencing style and breaking barriers more than ever before. One of the things that I've loved in watching fashion through the lens of hip-hop is the way that different lanes have opened up from Uzi doing the like emo look, Megan having like almost like an, an evolution of like Beyonce's like leotards that she was performing in for so long, the two pieces. 
I think that there's such a variety, you know, you can wear huge clothes, you can wear tight clothes, like there's a lane for everybody I think within hip hop fashion and I think the most important tenet of it is individuality and setting a trend, not just following it. How do you completely sum up 50 years of culture shifting, world changing creativity? I'm not sure you can. But what we do know is that hip hop, the art form forged on the streets of the Bronx so many years ago, is now a movement. It's a lifestyle and it is a culture that is forever. So here's to the ones that came first and to the ones who are carrying us forward. Happy 50th hip hop. Here's to 50 and forevermore. Well, that wraps it up for us. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Twitter, Revolt on YouTube, our Revolt Black News podcast, and download the Revolt app. Until next time, good night, everyone. A child was born in 73. Not even she would realize what she would grow up to be. But she would change the world before recognizing her worth with three fathers, Bambada, Flash, and Cool Herc. I'm talking about hip-hop moving forward, the only genre that was created from the genres before it. And by 79, she has struck a nerve, because I'm sure everybody in here remembers these words. I said a hip hop, a hip it to the hip it, a hip hop, hop and you don't stop, a rock into the bang bang boogie, say up jump the boogie to the. Cause it's the voice of the streets and it had just begun, based on peace, love, unity, and having fun. And then she thought she would lose it. But y'all know how we do, if we going through something, we just put it in the music. The world got cold, she wasn't prepared. Asked if she was all right, she just looked at me and said, don't push me cause I'm close to the I'm trying not to and then a new generation came on the scene imagine seeing your heroes on your TV screen they said it was a fad but it passed the test cause it's in everything how we if you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.